So yeah, firing employees should be a last resort, not the first step you take to avoid risks. Welcome to What's Wrong With Your Business, a podcast where we examine the problems that keep business owners up at night. From long-term strategies to risk management tools, you'll hear a variety of ways to identify what could be going wrong and how to adapt in a rapidly changing market. I'm your host, Grace LeConte. I'm a consultant, futurist, and writer on topics related to healthy feedback loops, workplace equity, and creative communication strategies. This is episode 10, the five areas where your company is most at risk. A business is a living thing. It's constantly evolving and adjusting in order to provide the most value to the customer who's going to benefit from the services or products that you provide. In order to continue maintaining a business that is successful, it's really important as an owner to identify all the possible ways that you could suffer harm or problems along the way. You could face challenges with internal processes going wrong and waste occurring, inefficiencies, and you could have external problems from outside forces that can cause you to not make as much money or to not be able to serve a certain type of person as a customer. So there are all sorts of ways that you can identify these types of risks and to create a plan for how you're going to deal with those and then move forward. In past episodes, I talked about some ideas for adapting your business in response to changes in episode three. I discussed several business models that are predatory, which means that they take advantage of people and how to avoid doing that as a business owner. And I also discussed the honeybee scorpion and nuclear employees in episode seven, the types of people who really can benefit your business by providing a perspective that is frustrating to hear, but very important to respond to before it gets worse. And that type of employee can also be a wonderful devil's advocate, which was episode nine. So you can check those out. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the five different types of strategic risk that occur in every single company, but which most owners don't take the time to fully analyze. And by understanding each of these five areas of risk in your business, you'll be able to come up with a really good plan for how to avoid problems from continuing to occur or how to avoid them altogether. I'll also share a four-step strategic risk management method that I use to help evaluate risk and manage it in any organization. Okay, so let's start by discussing what strategic risk is. It's a perspective on the vulnerabilities or problems in a company that keep it from achieving success. So any flaws, any potential problems, any issues that are not being dealt with, as well as the untapped opportunities for additional success. So that would be the strategic part. It's both the risk evaluation of what's going wrong or what could go wrong, and it's the strategic perspective of what could we do to achieve even more value. So when you combine these two things, you get a perspective that's very focused on not only avoiding problems, but also of finding opportunities that other competitors aren't doing. So these are both used in order to help your company achieve its strategic goals. The long-term vision that you have for how you want to change the world, how you want to impact people, what difference you want to make as an owner, these can be achieved by 
having this dual purpose of looking for both problems and flaws, as well as finding opportunities that other people can't see. If you read any literature or research papers about risk management or strategic planning, which most people don't enjoy doing, but you will find that there are quite a lot of different types of risks. There are many different categories that these could fall into. And in my own research and my own way of looking at defining this, I decided that there were five main categories, and that's what I call the five types of strategic risk. So I want to explain each of those today and to give you a sense of what you can do to identify these types of problems in your company, as well as to help to avoid them from getting worse, to mitigate them. The first category is called governance. So this would be the control methods, the planning, and the monitoring of issues within your company. Governance is a category that can include things like developing a vision and mission in decision making, um, identifying all the components of a strategic plan and reviewing that every month, understanding where you're headed as an organization, making sure you have strong and clear controls, which just means that you have a method to make sure that things are happening the right way, um, basic best practices and internal processes that are efficient, and then maybe standardizing procedures so that they're even more effective and efficient. And finally, knowing that people get what they need in the right way at the right time and in the right amount. So these are the policies of answering why and what is happening and the procedures which explain how things should happen. Um, it's a combination of defining your expectations and identifying all the potential rules that you need to put in place in order to maintain order. But of course, governance can get out of hand if it's too controlled. And that's what I talk about in the Devil's Advocate episode uh, number nine, where people may suggest things. And if you aren't aware of what could go wrong with having too much control and too many rules, it can actually work against you. So there's definitely a yin and yang approach Yang being something that's very controlled and rule-based, and yin being very accepting and open. You need to have a balance between those two extremes in order to have an effective governance of an organization. Okay, so that's the governance category of strategic risks. If you don't like creating a lot of rules and you'd rather have more flexible management in your organization, then you might not be as interested in looking at this type of risk category. But it is a very, very important one to make sure that you're maintaining the right protocols, that you're looking at how to be as efficient as possible with your time, that you're not uh, allowing for mistakes to happen and for flaws to occur, no matter what it is that you're producing. There's still a lot of things that need to be in place and overseen in some way in order to make sure that your quality is high for your consumer, for your customers. So that's quality. The second type of organizational risk is operational. So these would be internal pr processes that happen uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective. The actions that could result in inefficiency and in waste. So for operational risks, we wanna look at identifying the number of defects and variability. So all this means you don't have to have a Six Sigma black belt in order to understand this. It's just the differences between what you're expecting to happen and what actually happens. And for a consumer, a 
customer, when they expect something to happen in a certain way and they don't receive it, it's much more likely that they will complain or that they will choose to go to a competitor. And of course, because the cost of acquisition of a customer is so high, the last thing you want to do is be driving your customers away to someone else. So identifying areas of variability in the activities that happen in your company is a really good way to avoid customer turnover. It's also very common to have inefficiency in handoffs, which is wasted time and effort that happen between steps in any process. If you want to get even further into this type of analysis, you can actually do a handoff evaluation where you look at a workflow of how something happens. For example, when you sign on a new customer and you're looking at each of the steps that need to happen for that customer to receive the value that you're providing with your service or your product, every single time that something is handed to the next person, there could be an additional step that doesn't have to take place, or there could be an automation step that could replace the human-to-human -human contact. As much as we really like to have human contact, it's so much easier to automate things in order to speed up the process and also to make sure that the customer doesn't get forgotten. Some questions that you might ask in order to check operational risks include, does everyone understand the vision and mission clearly? Not just, is it written on a wall somewhere? Is it stated in an employee email? But if you ask a random employee, do they know why the business exists and what its purpose is and what you're hoping to do as an organization? Also, do employees trust what the leaders say and what the leader's decisions are? That's another qualitative question that can be really difficult to answer, especially if you don't have a mechanism set up for reviewing feedback. So if you haven't already seen my Honeybee, Scorpion, and Nuclear Employees episode number seven, or the Who Are Your Devil's Advocates episode number nine, check those out because I explain how to create a healthy feedback loop. Other operational questions would be, how do you measure results consistently? How do you measure results? What are you looking to achieve with your company? And operationally, is that effective? Is that working to increase the productivity or the outcomes or the profit margins? Or are you not achieving those goals? Another question is, do people follow your rules? <laughs> if you have rules in place from your governance, how are you making sure that they're followed? This would be a day-to-day -day operational question. And also, are you competing in a way that meets industry standards or exceeds them? That would be something that you could actually include in another category for marketing purposes. You also want to make sure that every step in your processes make logical and intuitive sense. And this is where devil's advocates can really provide a lot of great feedback because if you set something up as a leader and you just say, here's what I want done, here's how you're supposed to do it. But if the steps don't make sense to the people who are actually carrying them out, that can be a huge risk because then those individuals are going to adjust to make sense of the process and they may do it in a way that creates more potential for harm. This happens so often in the healthcare field when there aren't specific ways that things should be done in a certain order, especially in electronic health record documentation, which is my background. When steps are done out of order or if they're done in the wrong way, like copying and pasting information into the wrong patient's documents, it's a huge no-no, but it happens 
quite a lot unless there are mechanisms in place to stop it. But things like that are done because it's easier. It saves time and it does make logical sense if you don't consider the risks involved. So talking about risk can really help to make everyone in the organization aware of where problems could be occurring. You also want to make sure to standardize your methods and your instructions not just the policies of why and what, but also the how, the procedures of this is exactly the steps we take. And we've taken into consideration feedback from all the employees who gave us information that could improve this process. And here's exactly how we're gonna standardize it. If you're not cross-training and mentoring, that's something else that you can do operationally to reduce risks. So we've talked about governance risks, which are kind of the high level planning and monitoring and controlling step of all the things that could happen at a planning level. And we've talked about operational risks, which are more the day-to-day problems of inefficiency and waste. Next, we're going to look at competitive risks. So this would have a lot more to do with purchasing decisions, market changes, customer cycle, and attrition rates. So the drivers of customer and market events. So these would definitely be part of a marketing plan if you have that in place, but that's not the full picture. A marketing plan alone is not going to help to figure out how to drive your business forward. That would be what a strategic plan can do. So when you combine these things and a marketing plan is part of this, then you can also keep an eye out to what additional changes could impact your business overall and not just in acquiring and keeping customers because a business is so much more than just that. For competitive risks, you would want to look at whether your vision and mission are driving your marketing decisions. This is a really, really great way to view marketing, that it's actually a function of furthering the vision and mission of your company. Marketing should not replace the future focus. You should not be driven by just the market changes. You should also stay true to what you decided that you want to accomplish in light of problems that are occurring in the world. So you want to solve those problems with your services or products. But the way that you do that is always with a mind for the future of what you envision being changed once you have fully accomplished your goals. So that's the whole point of having a vision in the first place. A perfect future where the problem that you are trying to solve is solved. So what marketing decisions are you making based on that perspective? The second question would be, do people trust us? Do we have a good, solid communication with both internal individuals, employees, and vendors, and other people that interact with us internally, and with the external customers and the public? Do people trust what we're saying? Are we making smart and clear goals? Do they align with the future focus that you would have set up? Do rules make logical sense? So competitive risks also have to do with the logic of why we're doing what we do, how we serve customers, whether that aligns with your vision. Are we consistently enforcing and updating policies? So policies and procedures, they're both an operational risk, but they also can become a competitive risk because a lot of them have to do with serving customers. And for example, if you have a customer service agent or a um, patient-facing staff person and they don't understand why things have to be done a certain way, then they will probably be 
doing things slightly differently in order to make sense in their mind. So part of staff training and making sure that there are policies on what and why, and also procedures on how you do things, is communicating the reason why those exist in the first place. The fourth category of strategic risk in a company is financial. So this has to do with making sure that you're generating enough revenue and also controlling costs. So you want to make sure that you're driving financial decisions based on your vision and mission again, doing a post-event root cause analysis of financial problems that may come up, reviewing the financial impact of each objective in your company, and then making sure that you're protecting your stakeholders, um, achieving industry standards, um, maximizing your profitability, and tying your activities with financial outcomes. Another area of risk is costs. When costs go up, your risk of financial stability can also be affected. Another potential area of financial risk is in high costs and low profit margins. So it's important to look at both the areas in your company that may have creeping costs, increasing expenses that you are not expecting or that are just not keeping you viable in the marketplace, and also your areas of revenue. Um, it's such a good idea to do a profit margin analysis and find out where you're getting the most profit compared to the cost of doing business for those activities. And even though it may be very popular, right-sizing a company or choosing to cut costs by getting rid of as many staff as possible is not something I would ever recommend doing as a first course of action. I think there are much better ways to evaluate costs and financial challenges rather than eliminating trained employees first. There's so much value in what an employee understands about the problems in a company that disappear once they are not allowed to share that anymore. So yeah, firing employees should be a last resort, not the first step you take to avoid risks. The fifth category of strategic risks in a company is reputational. This can include public relation problems, customer perception problems, employee engagement problems, anything that kind of falls under the public relations category, but it's a lot more things too. So this would be the reflection of your marketing plan on your strategic mission and vision, the way that your social media and online presence is responded to, so not just whether you have a presence, but what you're doing about the feedback you're getting, the comments, the way that people engage with you online. It also has to do with understanding the stakeholder involvement in developing strategic objectives. So reputation is so much more than just what people perceive on the outside. It's also how employees engage with your company's growth. Employees have so much they want to offer and creating a method for them to provide this feedback and to contribute ideas for strategic growth is extremely valuable. So having a way for your stakeholders, which includes your staff, your managers, your customers, your investors, the public, anyone who's involved in wanting to see your company succeed, when they can be brought into the strategic decision-making discussion, it can provide you with so much more valuable information than just what your leadership team can do alone. Also, welcoming bad news. I talked about this in the last few episodes. How do you face bad news? Are you aware of what people are saying about you online or in public or in any other format? 
do you meet industry standards and is the public aware of that? Do you have a, an, a customer offboarding or exit process? Do you have an employee offboarding process? How do you collect information as people decide to leave? That's a really good way to acquire reputational risk intelligence. Also, as I've talked about many times, having healthy feedback loops so that you can respond to bad news is so vital. So those are the five areas of strategic risk. Governance, operational, competitive, financial, and reputational. Now, in order to fully understand the risks and to manage them correctly, I suggest using a four-step strategic risk management method that is very simple. The first step is to establish context. You need to review the current methods that you're using to evaluate risk, if you have any. And if you don't, that's okay. There's always some sort of context that's involved in the situation so that you know how to build from that. So whether you're just kind of waiting for bad things to happen or whether you have a solid mechanism in place, either one is fine, but just review what you have in place. The second step is to identify risk. So you can do a risk assessment, which basically just means evaluate all five of these areas, governance, operational, competitive, financial, reputational, and see what stands out as current ways that you may be having problems. Or you can even look at historic information. What has been a problem and how did you respond to it? Did you fully respond to it? Is that problem gonna continue to happen? What is the chance of it happening? These are questions that you can use in your risk assessment. The third step is to assess the risk. So first you've established the context of what you have in place. Next, you've identified risks that are happening or that have happened. Third, you're gonna assess that risk. So that's simply calculating the impact which is the severity or the degree of how bad it will be. And you multiply that by the likelihood that it will happen. How, how much of a chance is there that this will occur again? So you want to calculate the impact of this, which you can look at on my website. There's a great graphic that explains how to do this. And then you want to create and implement a plan. So just assessing the risk and knowing that some things are more likely to happen and more severe if they do happen is really not enough. You also have to make a plan so that it doesn't get worse. And the fourth step, once you have a plan in place, is to control the risk. And this happens in four ways. First, you can avoid it by eliminating the mechanism that would cause bad things to happen. You can reduce the risk by mitigating, and this might mean that you stop doing certain activities or you beef up your IT controls or in some way you're reducing the likelihood that that will happen. You can retain the risk, which means you accept that some bad things will happen, but you're okay with it. Or you can transfer the risk, which typically means that you have some sort of insurance. Um, there are all sorts of lines of insurance that you can put in place to make sure that you are protected. So that's it. That's the four-step method. Establish context and know where your risks, what your risk methods are identify risk and conduct an assessment. Then you assess all the risk by calculating the severity times the likelihood that it will happen and you create a plan. And fourth, you control the risk by avoiding, reducing, retaining, or transferring the risk. So I know that's a lot of information packed into one small podcast, but if you'd like more information on how to do these methods, you can go to my website, laconticonsulting.com slash podcast. 
That's L-A-C-O-N-T-E consulting.com slash podcast, where there are links to a lot of resources that you can see and use in your own company. If you have any feedback on this episode or any episode, be sure to leave me a voicemail message, which you can do at the Anchor app or visit my website and share a message about what you'd like to hear next or any questions that you might have. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes as we answer the question, what's wrong with your business? Here's to your success. Thank you.